Hey guys, how you doing? Oh, oh, oh. Everything's trying to die. Don't die. Don't die. No. Bad. All right. Hey, I'm James. Uh, my wife and I are the campus, my wife Kim, where's she at? Hey Kim, has been talking to you tonight. Uh, we are the campus pastors of SEMO Chi Alpha. Uh, welcome this evening. I am excited you're here. I'm also a little bummed out because this is our last normal service of the semester. We have service next week. It is not normal. All right. So come next week. Do not not come next week. Do come next week. It will not be the same as what we're doing right now. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I, uh, I'm excited that you're here. Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. This is kind of who we are here at Chi Alpha, and I typically get up here and share a little story about myself every week, and I'm going to do that. It's, it's a little different. It's not really a story. It's just a statement. I love Christmas. I've always loved Christmas. As a little kid, typically most little kids love Christmas. It's a, it's a holiday most children like when they're getting stuff. Um, I, I have a, a mom that is a little bit of a gift giver, and uh, so Christmas time was always very uh, lavish at our house, even if we couldn't like really afford something like that, but uh, I definitely got a lot of stuff as a kid. Um, and so in, in my world, growing up, uh, kind of was one of those things that was like, oh, like this this magic of Christmas is like changing a little bit because the getting of stuff is still cool but at a certain point you stop wanting maybe so much stuff and and I at least for me I got to the point where I was like well I I still and even I guess even this year my mom's like what do you want for Christmas and I'm like I don't know Maybe a Academy gift card so I can buy a new tree stand. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't really know what to ask for, Mom. Uh, but uh, anyway, all that to be said, sometimes as you're growing up, right, things change a little bit. And the beauty of Christmas for me is that even though, like, some of the aspects about why I like Christmas has, ch has changed, uh, there are still plenty of reasons for me to love Christmas. Um, I, for me, the season of Christmas isn't really just about lights and Santa Claus and stuff like that. For me, it's totally about Jesus, okay? Uh, I grew up in a family that very much we had this, this custom. Every uh, Sunday, the four Sundays before Christmas, we would light the Advent wreath. Advent means coming. So it's a season of coming for Jesus. Um, that, first of all, that he was predicted to come that he did in fact come, and that he is still coming. He is going to come again uh, to, to uh, basically restore the world to what it's supposed to be. Um, so for me, Christmas was always a really cool holiday. As you began as a kid, I grew up, and I'm beginning to realize, oh, this whole Christmas thing, it's, it's actually about Jesus and not about the gifts. It's about this ultimate gift that we all were supposed to have gotten rather than the gifts that are given to us by our Santa Claus or parent or whatever, uh, you know, every year. So anyway, for me, Christmas was always something that was really cool. I still really love it. I still love being able to be a part of the magic making for my girls. Um, that's a really big deal for me, but I'm very intentional about making sure that Yes, Santa's going to come, and it's going to be awesome, 
but before you open your presents, we're going to light the Advent wreath, and we're going to make sure that you are continually inundated with this idea that Christmas is about Jesus. It's not about the gifts. It's about the one individual gift. So kind of uh, uh, turning this around and kind of pointing this back at us, I mean, I think we've all experienced maturity aspects like this in our life, that we have these experiences where we grow up and maybe we're disillusioned a little bit and we're like, oh my gosh, the world is not what I thought it was. Uh, and then, you know, you grow a little bit older and you learn a little bit more and you get a, you get an opportunity to make a choice. Um, do I, do I choose to still be, uh, hopeful or, or do I choose to be bitter and, and kind of saddened by, uh, the reality of the world? Uh, Kim was on Instagram last night and you were looking at a reel and, it was these two parents, and they are, they're bouncing up and down with their kid, and they're like, Santa's coming tonight, Santa's coming tonight. And they kind of both look at each other, and they realize, crap, where's Santa? <laughs> and then they run off with the kids, and they try to stick them in bed and stuff like that. And I think it's kind of funny because in some ways you grow up and you realize, oh, it's my turn. It's my job to take care of things now. And really, I think that's the thing that I, I want to talk to you guys about tonight is that, hey, guess what? It is your turn. It's your turn to start taking care of things, right? All semester, we've been talking about this, this idea of journey. Um, and it maybe wasn't a thing that we were talking about super in depth. I may not have done a very good job when I was up here talking about this idea of journey and how we're journeying along the process. The Beatitudes idea was supposed to be like, Jesus is giving us step-by-step -step instructions on how to go about the journey, right? Um, but in this journey of life, you're going to have choices to make. You're going to have situations pop up, and you're going to have to react to them. Ultimately, your maturity is not based on how old you are, but it's actually based on what your choices are, right? That just because you grow older does not mean you grow up, right? Maturity is not based on age, okay? Um, I'm going to be very honest with you. I've been doing college ministry for a long time. I've met a lot of college freshmen that are very immature. I've also met a lot of college freshmen that are very mature. I've met a lot of adults that are very immature. I'm like, dude, you're like 40. Are you still in a frat? Because you're acting like it. And then I've met a lot of young people, people younger than me, and I'm like, wow. You're really mature. I look up to you a whole lot. We've got some Chi Alpha people that are running around, and I'm like, you're a director, and you're like 10 years younger than me, and I'm like taking notes on everything you're saying. That's pretty cool. Um, age is not based on maturity. So uh, tonight, our, our title, what we're going to be talking about tonight, is that spiritual maturity is being responsible to the voice of the Spirit. And I'm going to jump into uh, Ephesians 4. We're going to we're going to be doing things a little differently. Uh, I've been doing a lot of Matthew, um, but I want to jump ahead a little bit and look at a different passage from the Bible um, to specifically touch on this passage because this is specifically, it's the end of the semester for us, and I, I want to remind you of the responsibility that you have, and this passage very clearly lays this out. So Ephesians 4, uh, we're going to look at basically one through a lot, um, and I'm going to be talking to you a little about it. So uh, Ephesians is a, uh, a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus. That's why it's called the Ephesians, because it's written to the people of Ephesus. 
the Ephesians. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, so Paul uh, was once upon a time a really bad guy, and he killed a bunch of people, and then he became a good guy because Jesus showed up and said, why are you doing that? And then Paul went around, um, and well, that's what happened. Uh, he, he went around the world, uh, kind of the known world at that time, and was basically uh, trying to help people to meet Jesus, and he did a really good job of that. He's kind of one of the first major missionaries that's out there. Um, so Paul goes and does that, and then he gets arrested because people don't like that he's converting people to Christianity, and he gets put in jail, and fortunately he gets put in jail. He wouldn't say that, but we would, um, because most, about a third of the New Testament is written by Paul um, from jail. Uh, so we wouldn't really have most of our Bible if he didn't get stuck in jail a little bit. So, yay, jail. <laughs> Woo, it's a good thing. All right, so here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, huh, jail, <laughs> then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Ooh, Paul says this a lot, and I really love this. Okay, here's the deal. If you are a Christian tonight, God has called you to something. He's called you to live a life that is worthy of his name, basically. Right. We are responsible to live out a life. He has given us responsibility to live out the life that looks like Jesus. OK. And then he goes on to say, be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Man, I could preach on that. Just that little passage for a long time, because most of us suck at one of those things. Um, but I'm going to have to move on because there's a lot of good stuff in here. Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Okay, a lot of stuff going on there. Here's the deal. It is fascinating that Paul is telling us to live a worthy life, worthy of Jesus, and he starts off by talking about how we need to live this life in relationships, good relationships with other people. And that's where the be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love comes in. Okay, so he starts the starting point for how we live a good life is to be good to the people around us. Right. All right. Starting point. Be good to the people around us. And then he goes on to continue this idea of unity, right, by spelling it out that Jesus, or the Spirit of Jesus, rather, comes to bring us together. Make every effort to keep, a, uh, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit that lives in all believers, right? When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart, right? doesn't mean you listen to him. It just means that he is trying to talk to you a little bit more and help you to be more like Jesus. Now, we do have to listen to him, but uh, at the same time, he is, he is trying that. And that spirit, if we listen to him, he brings us together as a people. Not as uh, maybe like some people would be like, oh, the body of Christ is the church. That is true. But they're using the word church like capital C church, like the the worldwide church, okay, the body of all believers, okay? 
So as the Spirit unites all Christians together, we become this identity that's called the body of Christ, right? The body of Christ is the global church, all people everywhere that follows Jesus, okay? Sometimes, and, and here's the deal. What I'm about to say, you've got to, got to hear me out fully before you just jump on something okay some people get all caught up in denominations and they're like oh well we're this church and you're that church and that's a bunch of silliness okay because the church is everywhere that people are following jesus okay if a person is following jesus they are part of the global church now i am a big fan of denominations I know what I just said kind of makes you go, what? I'm a big fan of denominations because when you have people that are like-minded together in unity, they can get a lot done, okay? That's what a denomination is good for, okay? Denomination is a bunch of people. They all agree on a bunch of stuff sometimes, and then they come together and they get stuff done, okay? So that is a good thing. Uh, we, I like denominations. I am a part of a denomination. I'm not going to say what the denomination is right now. It doesn't really matter. Um, it matters later, and you can talk to me. But uh, anyway, what I'm saying is denominations, good. If you look at a denomination, you say, my denomination is the only best denomination. Number one, you can say that just as long as you say all the other denominations are also good. Okay? You can't say we are the best because you're, you're out of line. That doesn't make sense. It, it, it doesn't make sense to say, oh, well, my arm is the best part of my body. Ouch, I'm kind of destroying the rest of my body. And by the way, it's still part of my body, right? Does that make any sense at all? Conclusion? No? Okay. All right, moving on. Do, 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 sidebar. All right, uh, there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one hope, one Lord, uh, one God, blah, 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 blah. Can I just be honest with you? I'm going to point this out, and I don't have time to sit on this, okay? Uh, but... As you're reading through the Bible, take time to slowly look at some of these things when you're like, why is there this giant list of things? Do you see the Trinity nature in this in this passage? Trinity means the three aspects of God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all right? So there, there are places and, and sometimes there are people that are like, oh, I don't really believe in the Trinity, blah, blah, blah. The Trinity is all over the Bible. The Bible does not ever use the word Trinity, okay? But this idea, this composition of the people of God, the people, the followers of Jesus, talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's throughout the Bible, okay? Uh, let's see. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Okay, again, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, unites the entire body, all right? So there's thing one. Thing two is the one Lord, uh, and then it's, it's not... One Lord, comma, one faith, comma, one baptism, in that those are three things. It is one Lord, comma, and then the one faith and the one baptism are aspects of Jesus, our Lord Jesus, okay? Now, also, sidebar, uh, don't get distracted by this whole argument about baptism and being like, oh, there's one baptism. Is that the baptism of the Spirit or baptism of the water? They're the same thing, guys, and when I say that, you're going to get a little confused and everything like that because it, it we have this tendency in English to take these two things spirit baptism and water baptism if you're familiar with Chi Alpha you've been hearing us talk about spirit baptism lately all right and you're like like well why are we so big on spirit baptism because you need the Holy Spirit in you all the time 
okay? Water baptism is to say, I am a follower of Jesus. You are not a follower of Jesus unless the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, okay? So we get really caught up in the dichotomy of these two different types of baptisms when reality, they are interwoven. They are not the same thing. Getting dunked in water is not the same thing as getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is totally true. But if you are a follower of Jesus, okay, and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right, you will get baptized in the Spirit, all right, if you continue to pursue that. It is a natural progression of this idea of baptism, okay? Does that make sense? So water baptism is an outward symbol, and spirit baptism is an inward filling, okay? So there's an outer baptism and there's an inner baptism, all right? And you're, sure you're going to be like, there's two things. They are interwoven. It is kind of like the Trinity where you cannot really take them and separate them, okay? You can't really say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit is different than Jesus. No. I mean, yes, they do. They have different functions, but they are one and the same, just as Jesus is God and Jesus is of the the Father God, right? He is the Son of. He is an outward human example of who God is to us. You cannot take them and separate them out, right? So baptism, this one baptism that is talking about, it is one and the same baptism. Okay. Now we do we do say, oh well, you can tell somebody's been spirit baptized, and we can talk more about that later. Yes, you can. But the whole point is that you would be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right. Rolling back up to it. As we continue to look through this passage, it shows us, it talks about, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And he talks about the gifts that he's given to uh, his people. Okay? So grace, another word for grace um, uh, the actual word for grace in, in the Greek is charis, which charis actually, one of the definitions of it is gift, okay? The, the definition of grace is something that you have been given divinely, okay? It's either favor or it's mercy. It's something that you have been gifted divinely by God, okay? So a gift can be a, an idea of what grace is. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're actually talking about grace, okay? Does that make any sense at all? Um, when we carry on to verse 11, we find out what these gifts are. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God um, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. All right, that, that was a long, long, great run-on sentence, Paul. Um, thank you. Uh, but what we find these gifts are, and these are not exclusive. There are actually more gifts. There are more gifts of the Spirit, uh, speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, etc., etc. But we find that God, Jesus, is giving gifts to his people. What are those gifts? They're people most of the time, right? The spiritual gifts are supposed to be things that bless other people, right? And guess what? You are supposed to be one of those things that's supposed to bless other people, okay? Each of these aspects, now you may not, 
end up being a prophet or an evangelist or whatever. But there is something that God has created you to become, to be a blessing to the people around you. And he wants to empower you to do that. He wants to give you the full measure of his spirit so that you can be empowered to be a blessing to the people around you. Okay? We are very much responsible to the other parts of the body. Going back to the body analogy, okay? And uh, in Romans, the, the, the book of Romans talks a little bit about the different body parts and how they function all together and stuff like that. So I'm going to use that analogy a little bit further. But, you know, let's say that you are an arm, okay? You're not just an arm floating out in space. You're an arm attached to something, okay? Otherwise, you're dead, all right? You've been cut off, okay? So we don't want you to be cut off. We want you to be attached, all right. So if you're an arm and you're attached to something and the something is living, right? So all of a sudden you can function. But arms don't just function by themselves, right? Arms have to react to things, right? So the body needs food. The hand picks up the food. The hand brings it to the mouth. Can the hand eat the food? No, it can't. So in the same way, we are each a part of the body you have a very important role to play. And don't undermine what you think this role is, okay? Each of you has this very beautiful aspect of who you are that God has implanted in you that he wants you to use to the fullness that he has given it to you. Now, can I just be honest with you on this journey of life, we're talking about journeys, there is a point in time where you're not really going to fully know what your role is. That time may be kind of like right now, okay? I don't want you to think less of yourself because you're like, I'm not 100% sure what my role is, okay? That's okay. Guess what? Some of you guys have been Christians for like a month or two or three or maybe five years or six years or whatever. But here's the deal. Can I be honest? If, if you see my little Abby running around the house and she does something a little silly, do you look at her and you're like, oh, she's so dumb? I hope not. I'm going to be mad at you if you do. Because she's six. Sometimes they do things that are not wise. And I have to remember this myself. Okay? Sometimes they do things that are unwise. Guess what? As, as most of you guys are new Christians, if you do something a little bit silly, guess what? I'm not going to look at you and be like, oh, my gosh, they're horrible people, blah, blah, blah. Now, maybe I'm going to be a little upset or something like that if you, you are a horrible person or whatever. But here's the deal. A lot of you guys still have a lot of maturing to do in your faith, okay? And that's okay. It's okay to recognize, guess what? I don't know everything. Hey, guess what? I don't know everything, okay? I have many times where I say something, and I walk away from the conversation, and I'm like, wow, that was dumb. I, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't said it that way. There are times I walk away from sermons, and I'm like, man, I wish I hadn't said it that way. <laughs> but here's the deal. We all have a need to grow and get better and to improve, okay? This is laid out clearly for us that we are gifts to other people, that we have a responsibility to develop in ourselves the things that we need to develop so that we can be a better gift, okay? And one of the beautiful aspects of this that I want to continue to, to drive home is that God is saying that we need to live together in this group of prophets and evangelists and pastors and all these different personalities and giftings put together. And he says, so that Christ may be built up until we all reach full unity of faith. 
it is so beautiful that there are all these major differences that Jesus is talking about in his body. We're not all hands. We're not all feet. We're not all hair, right? Not all of us have hair. Um, it is so beautiful, the diversity in the body of Christ. And the fact that, honestly, when you look at what Jesus is actually saying here, we cannot be made right until we're diverse. Okay? Each of you has something very important and different that you need to bring to the table. You are very much responsible for bringing that gift that God has given you to the table, whatever that gift is, whether that's life experience, whether that's talents, whether that's knowledge, whatever these things are that you need to bring to the table, you are responsible to take these things and take them to the highest level to bring excellence into everything that you do so that you can, again, not only be a gift to other people, but so that you can offer that gift back to God, the one who gave it to you. We need each other very dearly. If we move on to verse 17, Paul says, So I tell you this, and I insist upon it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in futility of their thinking. Gentiles, if you don't know, are non-Jewish people. Paul is writing at a time when Christianity is very young. And in Christianity at this time, they are realizing that anybody can be a Christian. There was this weird thought in their minds that they were the Jewish people and that only Jews could know God, the one true God. Or you would have to basically change from your religion and start serving the one true God. And that did happen. It just wasn't very common. Okay. So in a lot of ways, we didn't, we, we, we would talk about being a missionary and like going out and trying to win people that don't know Jesus to Jesus, right? The Jews didn't really do that, right? They didn't really have this concept of going out to the world. They were like, we're going to shelter in place. And if people come to us and they say, hey, I want to know your God, it'd be like, okay, that's cool. We can do that. But you have to be a little bit separate. We can't like intermingle too much. You can stay on the outside and we'll be on the inside and that'll be okay. We can kind of be near each other, but... But what's happening in the Christian community at the time is they're realizing that, like, and honestly, it's through the Spirit of God revealing this to them. Like, people are getting baptized with the Holy Spirit, and the Christians that are Jews are like, oh, well, they had the same experience that we had. So does that make them a Christian too? Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, Jesus has the same love for them, people that are not Jews, as for you, the person that is a Gentile, okay? So a Gentile is a non-Jew. Basically, Paul is saying, look, everybody's included, okay? Um, he's also saying that the Gentiles that don't know God don't always live right, right? So there are good things to do and there are bad things to do, and sometimes the Gentiles were doing bad things. He says then, the Gentiles, they, they are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality, over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Okay, this uh, sensuality and greed, it, again, this is written to a people of Gentiles. It's not written strictly to Jews, okay? 
the Jews were guilty of this same problem too. Okay, they were guilty of the greed, sensuality, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So don't misunderstand that. Um, however, what Paul is writing to these people that are formerly Gentiles, now Christians, okay, is he's saying over and over again, look, you can't live the way you used to live. And we have to hear this too, that we cannot live in ways that are counter to godliness, okay? Unforgiveness, impurity, greed, idolatry, sexual immorality, all of these things that God specifically lines up and says, I am not like this. These ways are counter to my ways, all right? Greed. Why is greed bad? Because you're no longer taking care of the people around you, which is what God has asked you to do. Sexual morality. Why is that bad? Because it's teaching you to be unfaithful to the person that you're supposed to be faithful to. Again, this is representative of God. We are supposed to be faithful to God. Sexual immorality, a marriage is supposed to be a union that looks like two people coming together to be united underneath of God's ordained plan. To be unfaithful in that relationship is to be unfaithful to God, right? Idolatry is being faithful to something else that is not God. To put money or to put uh, Facebook or Instagram or video games or work in place of God, self in place of God. So all of these things that God has laid out, Paul is saying that we must be far away from these things because the closer that we get to all of these, what we would call sin issues, the harder it is for us to hear the voice of God. And how do we become mature? We become mature by listening to and obeying the voice of God. So this is what Paul is saying over and over and over again, is that basically, if we know that we are living in a lifestyle that is not pleasing God, we are making it harder for us to hear from him. We are intentionally putting something, or unintentionally sometimes, putting something in the place of God, and all of a sudden, we can't hear him very well. If you in this room are like, man, I really don't know how to hear the voice of God, and you know that you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing, that's why. That's why you can't hear from the voice of God. Now, he can still break through. He wants to break through. But we have to be willing to let him in. Okay? And again, this is where this body, this unity of believers comes together. This is why we're so good when we're together, when we're united. Right? When we're not looking down on each other because somebody's messed up. Okay? Now, yes, we don't like it when people mess up. That's not good for them. But most of the time, if we respond to people that have messed up in a good way and we continue to love them and we take care of them, and we say, hey, I want to help you, but I'm not okay you doing that, but I still do want to help you, we can help restore people and all of a sudden they can start hearing the voice of God again. Right? This is the importance that you have in the kingdom. This is your role to play, is to not only be honest and, oh, I don't know, share life with each other. What? Share life? When you honestly share life with individuals, with people around you, and let them share back with you, 
suddenly we can fix a lot of problems that we have. A lot of the stuff we struggle with can be fixed by accountability. And this wonderful trust relationship of being like, man, I know this person loves me, and I'm going to tell them this, and it's going to break their heart, and they're still going to love me. Dude, that's so good. It's so freeing. So wrapping up real quick. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made in new attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is how we grow in spiritual maturity. We continue to listen to the voice of God. We must, if I'm recapping real quick, we must mature in our faith is what Paul says. We are responsible to the people around us to mature in our faith. The Spirit of God will empower us to help the people around us and to take care of them as we have been designed to take care of them as we are listening to him. We have to learn to be sensitive to the Spirit and say yes to him. So how do we do this? All right. We never stop learning. All right. This is why in our small groups we read the Bible a lot. Okay. This is why you need to read the Bible a lot. You're about to leave campus and go to a place where you don't have small groups anymore, right? Guess what? You're not going to have people that are be like, oh, did you read 1 John this week? Maybe you know what you should do? Maybe you should set that up. Maybe you should contact your friends from small group and be like, hey, what are we reading over break? And give each other some way to be accountable. And this doesn't have to be your small group leader, Okay. This can be one of the roles that you can play is to be like, I can be that person. I know that I don't have a job over break. And so what I can do is every morning at like nine o'clock, I can be like, send out to the group chat or whatever you guys do now and be like, uh, uh, Snapchat, I'm going to Snapchat the whole group and be like, hey, I read this in Proverbs. I like it. What do you think? I'm sorry. I'm old. <laughs> anyway, so. Here are the things that you must do. You must never stop learning, and you must never stop being a part of a community. Maturity cannot happen when you are not unified with other people. Okay? Think about it. Think about this idea of maturity. How do you know that you're mature? Well, usually you're making good choices, and you typically are the one that everyone else around you is asking for help. Ooh. If you don't have anyone around you asking for help, you don't know if you're mature or not. Okay? So what I want to do in these last couple of minutes, we've been talking about unity a little bit, and I want to I have Kim come down here and tell us a little bit about what you guys have been doing and how you guys have been unified recently. So, Kim... I didn't give you enough time to walk down the stairs. My bad. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Like, I, I forgot to write all write down how many events you guys have done. I, like, all the things that were smashed, whether that was pumpkins or things on Cody or I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, but it was really incredible just to watch how not only how each small group set a goal of what they wanted to raise, um, to feed children, but also like what we as a ministry did together. And so our grant, like our, our goal overall for SEMO Chi Alpha for the year 2021 
our goal was to raise enough money to feed a kid for a year representing each student active in our ministry, like in small groups. Um, so that was to feed 82 children for a year. Guys, we reached our goal exactly. <laughs> You guys raised $9,840 to 82 kids for a year that have hope. And if I'm crying this much, dude, I'm not even a crier. <laughs> Man, you guys are incredible. This campus is amazing. You guys are just awesome. So thank you. <laughs> This could not have happened without the variety of ideas that you guys came up with. You guys, as a group, again, being united but being very different because we had a whole lot of variety in the ideas that were up there. We had a Santa Claus, all right? We had pumpkin smashing, all right? We inco incorporated, like, multiple holidays, all right? Uh... Uh, stickers were going everywhere. I, th most of the things that you guys did are not things that one person would ever have come up with. Not only that, but one person would not have had the energy to do what you guys did, right? Combined together, you guys were able to do something that will change the lives of 80 kids, Okay. 82 kids. <laughs> Sorry. This is the power of unity. This is the power of what happens when you mature and you take on responsibility. Okay? During break, you have the responsibility to continue to mature. It's on you. Okay? We say this a lot in our ministry, that you are responsible to people, but you're not responsible for people. All right. My responsibility is to continue to remind you that you are responsible to people. OK, you're not responsible for how they are after that, but you are responsible for yourself and what you do over break. You are responsible to make sure you're healthy, to make sure you're spending time getting closer to God, learning more about what your faith is, learning about more about like who God is and making sure not only you're the one that's growing, but making sure that you are checking on your friends and your small group uh, people, okay? This is your responsibility. And I'm going to be very honest with you. Your responsibility goes beyond your small group. I can't tell you how many times I've seen students go home over the holidays, over summer, et cetera, and they have tremendous impacts on their family. Now, it's not an overnight thing, okay? But you have an opportunity to make sure that you are gentle and that you're working out of love for your family. And it may not, like some of you come from very different backgrounds, it may not be an overnight change. But living this life out consistently over time will impact people. So this is my challenge to you. How will you say yes to the Holy Spirit over break?